Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Okay, so if you're joining with us for the first time today, uh, we now move to the part of the service here where we open up God's Word. We love the Bible here at Exchange Church. We understand and know that it's through the Scriptures, through the Bible, that God's Spirit works in our hearts to uh, unveil the Gospel, to unveil the person of Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives. And it really is a package deal. You cannot have the Word without the Spirit, and you cannot have the Spirit without the Word. It comes together. The Holy Spirit has inspired the Word. And uh, we get this glorious opportunity now to come and uh, open that word up and pray that God's Spirit will work in our hearts. Uh, we are working through uh, the book of Luke. We've done uh, nine talks now, nine sermons out of the book of Luke, and they're up to Luke chapter 10. And again today, just to help us set the scene as we uh, move into that, let me uh, just mention this. There's something about us that loves an adventure or a mission. Uh, For some of us, it's just like venturing out into the unknown and the excitement that that brings, the unknown of what's going to happen next. And some people just get really enthused about that and the excitement that will come with that mission. For others, it's actually about getting on board for a cause, a cause that really drives someone. It's like we have this common goal that actually unites us all together in this cause and it drives us on. So we unite our energies, our time and our talents to carry out this cause together. Uh, Each of us who are partnering together on that cause then becomes a help and encouragement for each other as we work on that cause. There's something about a mission or a cause that really ignites us and gets us going. Jesus has two, he's called us to a cause, a mission to save and to rescue people, a mission of the gospel, a, a cause to see people discover the gospel and the fullness of life that it brings. This is the mission that Jesus calls us on to. And we're going to look at that today as we open up Luke chapter 10. So please go to your Bibles and uh, go to chapter 10, verse 1 through to 21. And uh, you can read along with me or you can look at the screen as those verses come up now. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and went on, went, sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not... It will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Uh, Lord, we thank you today that we can come and open up this word. We ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd be with us, just opening up our eyes, opening up our ears and our mind uh, to see the truth that is here and that we would be changed by this. Not just to hear it and allow it to bounce off us, as it were, without changing us, but to hear it, to absorb it, and to change, to be transformed in our heart and mind, to be on this glorious mission, the most important mission in the world. Lord, we ask that now and pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, last week uh, we saw that the road of discipleship, what the road of discipleship looked like in chapter 9, which involved denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. Now we actually turn to chapter 10 and we see them live that out. They live out this call of discipleship where Jesus calls his disciples to begin to make other disciples. Jesus has saved us for a purpose, to bring us back to God to transform our lives into God-honouring lives, but also to be on mission with Jesus Christ so that we can lead others into his kingdom as well and share this great message that's been revealed to our hearts by God's Spirit. Luke 10 gives us a real picture here of God's grace, that God is a saving God, a rescuing God. God rescues those who cannot rescue themselves. And we see that in Luke 10. And now Jesus commissions us into this same rescue. We become the ambassadors or the representatives of Jesus Christ here on earth. Uh, Here's our big idea that'll shape where we're going today. Uh, Jesus has given us a mission of joy to communicate the good news of the gospel. Jesus has given us a mission of joy to communicate the good news of the gospel. Now, it's a fairly long passage that I read out, 21 verses there. A little bit hard to sort of work out where we're going, but a very good friend of mine by the name of Tim Keller, well a good friend via media. Tim Keller helped me actually break this up with some stuff I read of his earlier in the week. And we're going to break it up three ways here. It's going to be mission, it's going to be message, and it's going to be motivation. Mission, message, and motivation. Okay, first one, Jesus here gives these guys a mission. Verses one and three shows that for us. Jesus is sending people out to carry out this mission. What does it tell us here, even if we stop and look at that, this sending out? What it tells us is this, we're not created to be a passive group of people. We're not created to be a passive uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus aren't just saved to be minding our own business, keeping ourselves out of trouble and just quietly find our spot in the background of life and that'll just be me. Thank you very much. It's really easy to fall into that mentality of a passive life at times. It's a very comfortable lifestyle. We just withdraw and we just keep to ourselves. 
I'll live my Christian life over here in this little bubble and I won't cause anybody any trouble. You know how it looks. I'll just pop down to the supermarket and I'll get a few groceries to buy. I'll stop by Bunnings on the way home and I'll grab a few things for the garden. I head back home. I park my car. I lock up the car. I go into my house. I lock up the door and live peacefully and become a good member of the local community. It's really easy to fall into that sort of lifestyle and just become very passive. But Jesus has other things in store for us. Ephesians 2.10 tells us this. We've been saved for something else. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What have we been created for? Good works. We've been created to do something. Now, for sure, those good works probably cover millions of things we could think of. But it's clear in this passage alone that a primary part of these good works is the mission of the gospel. A mission isn't passive. Jesus is calling his disciples into a mission of action. Jesus has come to gather a people into a body, into a movement. And Jesus' plans for this movement is to carry on the mission that he's already started. This has always been God's way. We've been blessed so that we can in turn go and bless others. We are the instruments in God's hands to carry out this mission. We've been given the riches of the gospel so that we can now play a part in God's grand story of salvation by passing those riches on as part of this mission. We've been given a mission, just like Jesus has sent out these 72 people. It's for us as well. Not only do we have a mission, but we also have a mission with a message. You don't want to get those two words mixed up. They're mission, message. Mission with a message. Not only are we called not to be passive, we're also called not to be silent as well. Look in verse 9. What, what does Jesus say there? He says, Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. See those words there? Say to them. Speak to them, communicate to them. There's something to be said. There's something to be communicated. Now, that can be a challenge again for us in our culture of today. What are the two things we're supposedly not supposed to talk about? Politics and religion is the same old thing they say. Don't talk about politics and religion. The government actually wants to keep religion out of our schools because they say all it does is cause division and offence. We actually don't want this in our schools. If we talk about religion, we'll only upset people. Really, it's like, if you just keep your religion to yourself, I'll be okay. You don't trouble me with your views and I won't trouble you with my views. Just keep it to ourselves. Again, this is an easy mindset for us as believers, followers of Jesus, to fall into, to be quiet. We'll just remain silent about our faith. We don't want to upset people, so we just keep it to ourselves. No, Jesus has said, Say to them, he said, tell them this, the kingdom of God has come near them. What does that mean, Jesus? The kingdom of God has come near them. Let's have a look in verse 16 to see what Jesus is talking about here. He says in verse 16, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. What are we doing? We're representing Jesus here on this mission. 
when they hear us, they're hearing Jesus. As Christians, who are we? We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador do? They represent the country that, where they are a citizen in. We are citizens of heaven. We are Jesus' disciples. We've been given a responsibility to represent Jesus well. When they hear us, they hear Jesus. With this responsibility, we're not given an option to say whatever we like about Jesus and tell people whatever they want to hear about Jesus. No, we're to represent Jesus well and to say what he tells us to say. Ultimately, we are to follow what Jesus has already done in starting this mission and continuing this mission on. Have a look here in Luke 4.43 where Jesus comes on and says this. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. What's the message? The message is we've been given the gospel. Jesus there is going to give the good news of the kingdom of God, the message of the gospel. Our message that Jesus has given to us to say to them is to tell them that Jesus is Lord and that we need to come to him for forgiveness and reconciliation in our lives. Putting our trust in his death on the cross and believing in his resurrection that he rose from the third day from the grave and gives us the promise of eternal life as we do that. And that through repentance and faith, Jesus now offers us a new life of transformed into knowing his joy and his peace and his love. That's the message of the gospel there in a nutshell. Now, I've said it really quickly in a matter of seconds, but that's not really all that easy to say in today's culture. We wish it was easy to say like that. But our culture has moved a long way from having the basic foundations of those biblical truths or principles in their lives. It's a post-modern, post-Christian society we live in today. They haven't got that. We wish we could just easily say it like that and all we do is just fill in a gap here or there that they didn't quite have. And they say, thank you very much for filling in the gaps. Now I know what to believe, but it's not like that. We need to be real careful how we share the truth of the gospel. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're running Talking Jesus in our Connect and Grow groups here at Exchange Church. And I would encourage you, if you're not part of a group, be involved there because we want to help equip people to share Jesus through the gospel using their own story but telling them what Christ has done. You see, this is really important because what Jesus offers us is actually what everybody in the world ultimately wants. What are people looking for? People are looking for meaning. People are looking for purpose. People are looking for peace and acceptance and joy. People are looking for love. If you went and asked people in the street just random questions like that, what are the things you're looking for in life, some of those answers would pop up. They're the sort of things that they're looking for. But the problem is they're looking for it in all the wrong places. They're seeking it out in this world and what they're finding is shallow, empty, fleeting grasps of these things that they're chasing after. They're like slipping through their fingers. They can't grasp it and it just slips away from them. They look for love and acceptance in a relationship and they find it somewhat. They do. We do find love and acceptance in a relationship. But with that comes also pain and difficulty. It's not just pure love and a pure acceptance. There's pain and difficulty associated with that. 
And very often, those relationships can end up in rejection and fractured. It didn't meet their needs. You see, what we are doing when we do this is we are replacing God with something else in our life. Instead of looking for ultimate love and acceptance in our creator and who he's made us to be, we look elsewhere. We turn away from God and we look for it somewhere else. And that is what the essence of sin is. That we turn away from God and we replace him with other things. And then we begin to love these other things more than we love God. And when it goes to the end degree, we have no love for God really whatsoever and we love all these other things. But they don't sustain us. That is the essence of sin. Jesus has given us a message to communicate to people regardless of how silly or foolish the cross and the resurrection may appear to other people, this is what Jesus has told us to tell others for their salvation. Paul the Apostle had this same question in his mind. It sounds foolish, but this is the message we're given. But the beauty about this message is it doesn't depend on us. It's God who awakens hearts and minds to understand what the message of the cross is all about. Have a look in verse 21 with me. He says this, uh, Jesus says, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. What does God do? He reveals. God opens up eyes. God opens up ears. God opens up minds. God opens up hearts to hear the message of the cross and to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we think can only be gained by those with a higher understanding, those with a super smart brain that can sort of line up all the ducks in a row and make it all happen. No. God there has revealed it to children. What do children do? They simply hear and they believe. God reveals it. Jesus has given us a message to deliver in this mission and he's with us to give that understanding to people as we go. Also, we don't deliver this message in a a vacuum either. In other words, we don't communicate the message with an empty life, like in, in, in a vacuum situation. We communicate it with love and compassion along with deeds of mercy and kindness as well. But more on that another time. We don't do it in a vacuum though. Thirdly, Jesus wants us to have a strong motivation for this mission as well. Motivation is critically important here because this is what keeps us moving on when the times are tough and people don't necessarily want to hear hear the message. Uh, These disciples, they came back from being on mission and they were on a high. Have a look in verse 17 with me. It says there, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. How did these guys return back? These guys come back pumped, pumped to the max. They weren't walking along the road. They were bouncing down the road with joy. Oh, Jesus, you should have seen it. You should have been there. The demons were heading away. They were running away. We just laid hands on people and bam, it happened just like that. Jesus, you should have seen it. 
Jesus replies in verses 18 and 19, it says this, And he said to them, Yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Yes, says Jesus, Satan's power is broken. He's mad, he's upset, he's angry. And yes, I've given you the ability to, to tread all over the uh, demonic forces that are out there, opposed to me and opposed to this mission. According to my will, they cannot hurt you. They cannot lay a finger upon you. Nothing can happen to you outside my will, Jesus says. That's good. But then Jesus goes on to say something else here. He said there's a higher and more sustaining joy that can be found. Look in verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, don't get me wrong, it's totally okay to rejoice in seeing God's power at work as we carry out the continuing work of the gospel. It's great to see that transformation and the liberation. If some people are demon-possessed or oppressed by demonic force, it's great to see that liberation come into their lives. But Jesus says, rejoice more in this, that your names are written in heaven. That is the riches of the gospel right there. That is the most wonderful and powerful blessing that we can have is our salvation with our names written in the book of life in heaven. I've been doing a Life Explored course over the last, say, month or six weeks with a group of people and fantastic to see these people, as it were, coming alive to Christ. It's a beautiful miracle that I'm witnessing unfold before me inquisitive, asking questions and seeing as it were like the penny drop. It's a glorious picture. It's a thing worth rejoicing in. I think sometimes, sometimes we lose sight of that miracle that's been performed by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes I think we lose sight of our former blindness and deafness to the gospel. We didn't see it and we didn't hear it. Sometimes, I think, as believers, we forget that we were dead in our sins and unresponsive to Jesus in our natural state. We weren't even given Jesus the time of day. We forget that. Sometimes we forget how completely unworthy and undeserving we are of anything from God. Sometimes we forget that. But then in God's amazing grace... He comes and he breathes life into our dead souls. He makes us alive to himself. We see his person, we see his love, we see his beauty and God becomes ravishing. God becomes all glorious. God becomes the thing of my life, the treasure of my life. Sometimes we forget where we've come from and the miracle of salvation. Jesus reminds us here again to rejoice In the miracle of salvation, rejoice that your eternity is filled with hope in living with Jesus forever. Dwell and think about this, uh, Jesus would say, what amazing love that God has shown us when we were so unlovable. Rejoice in the miracle of grace so richly and freely given to us. Here's why that's important. It's a motivation to keep us moving forward in the mission that Jesus has given us, reflecting upon our own salvation, 
It's a motivation that fills our heart with hope. It's a motivation that enables us to get up again after we've been rejected through the mission of the gospel because someone didn't want to hear that. That hurts. It really hurts. We need something to get back up and going again. We need to think back again on what Jesus has done for us in salvation and then move forward thinking he can do that for somebody else. If he's done it for me, he'll do it for someone else. Reflect, reflect on the mission, on the miracle of salvation that's been done to us. Jesus says rejoice in that. Where does this land for us today as we think about this mission, this message, and this motivation? What are some of the things we need to put into place for this mission that Jesus has called us to, the the, the things that he's given to us? Here's one of the first things we need to think about. It comes in verse 2. It's prayer. Jesus says this, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. In God's purposes, he's called us to pray for this harvest. Not just to pray. Jesus has put a word in there, earnestly, to pray earnestly. Now, right now, you could be hearing me, I told you, just beating on that drum again, pray more, you've got to pray more, you've got to pray more. I told you, beating the drum, I can hear the drum going. What does Jesus say? Not what Todd says, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, pray, pray with intensity, with fervour. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord of the harvest. I think sometimes a sense of desperation must be in our prayers. That we are so desperate to see people saved that that desperation, as it were, becomes evident in our prayers. To desperately pray. It's totally okay to pray like that. It's it's okay to be very earnest about seeing people saved. Loved ones, friends, to get desperate in our prayers. Earnestly pray, Jesus says. Now, the second thing Jesus talks about here in going forward in this mission is being courageous. Have a look in verse 3. He says this, Go your way, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What do you have to be as a lamb going out amongst wolves? And don't say silly. What do you have to be as a lamb going out amongst wolves? You've got to be courageous, haven't you? You've got to be absolutely full of courage. We must have total confidence in the person of Jesus to carry out this mission in boldness, with courage. Being willing to stand up for Jesus in many situations requires boldness. It requires courage. It takes courage to speak up for Jesus when the whole flow of the conversation or the whole flow of the people is going in one direction and you feel like you've got to sort of swim back the opposite way. You've got to stand up in front of a classroom or a bunch of friends or wherever it may be and what you've got to say just seems to be going totally opposite to what the rest of the people are saying. Takes courage, takes boldness, like a lamb going out amongst the wolves. Our confidence and our courage comes from knowing this, that we don't do that alone, 
that Jesus is right there with us as we confront a class, as we confront friends, or as we stand up, wherever it might be, that Jesus is right there with us every step of the way on that mission. Every conversation, remind yourself about this, particularly when you know what you've got to say and it's going to be quite challenging for what the rest of the people are saying. Jesus is right there with you. He's in you by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwells within you. He's with you through that conversation. Working in us as we speak with courage and boldness, but also working in our hearers as well. You never know what God's doing in the hearts of those hearers. That gives us courage and confidence. Another aspect here that Jesus speaks to you about this mission is the urgency of this mission as well. Look in verse 4 for that. It says here in verse 4, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. What's that? There's a definite sense of urgency here in what Jesus says. It's a bit like travel light and be able to move quickly. Don't, don't weigh yourself down with all these things and don't get caught up in frivolous conversations on the roadside talking about the weather or the latest sports or the, whatever's happening on iTunes or whatever you might be doing. Now, I don't think that we're meant to take that literally as in don't talk to anybody. But I think we're meant to see what Jesus is saying there. And what he's saying is this, there must be a sense of urgency about the mission that he's given to us. I think I saw stats recently, 150,000 people uh, die every day around the world and pass from time into eternity. There's enough urgency just in thinking about that and the tremendous thing that takes place, the awe-inspiring thing that takes place when they travel from time into eternity, souls. What does that mean for us? That means we must be actively, with a sense of urgency, taking hold of every opportunity that comes our way to share Jesus, to share the gospel. We must be actively looking for and being alert for opportunities as well. It's so easy to just, as it were, go through a day and just not be alert or not looking for those opportunities. But we need to be with that sense of urgency, looking for those opportunities, asking and praying for the Holy Spirit to keep me alert, to keep me awake as it were, to keep me listening hard in a conversation and thinking, where can I bring Jesus into this conversation? Where can I bring uh, the gospel somehow into this? And then with courage and boldness, with that sense of urgency, to do that, to take hold of that, to carry out this mission. Now, as I said at the beginning here, there's a million missions and causes that are going on around our world. Countless thousands into the millions. But let me say this, that the mission of the gospel is the most important mission in this world right now and has always been that way. Many would say this though, I think the mission of finding a cure for COVID-19 is the most important mission at the moment. That way we don't have to do live stream church, we can actually get back to a live church. And also with COVID-19, there's hundreds of millions of people that have been affected. Surely this is the most important mission that's on the world at the moment. And also, that number's growing daily. Surely we've got to stop that. Even now the death toll or the COVID reported death toll is actually now into the millions as well. Surely this is the most important mission going on in the world today. I don't doubt that it is an important mission to find a cure. And I say, yes, please, let's find a cure. Let's put people working on vaccines like they have been. Let's find a cure. 
But with all due respect, the mission of COVID-19 isn't as important as the mission of the gospel. COVID-19, a COVID-19 cure will save your life here and now, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. But the gospel will save your soul for eternity. The gospel will will, uh, reconcile you forever, will rescue you forever. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this radical message of forgiveness and transformation. The gospel of Jesus is the only thing, not a vaccine that will save you for eternity, but the gospel is the only thing that will save you for eternity. It is the most important mission going on in this world. You won't see that as you look around this world. This world is dominated by all sorts of other missions and causes. But it's about the gospel. It's about Jesus being the most important mission of the world. Now, if we see that, that it is the most important mission, then that mission should transform us and transform the way we live if we see it as the most important mission in this world. Let me finish with this question. Is the mission of the gospel transforming the way you live? Are you praying earnestly? Are you growing in courage and in boldness? Do you have a sense of urgency? Is the mission of the gospel transforming the way you live? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that we're able to come and open up Luke chapter 10. We, Father, we thank you again that you have sent your son in this world on a rescue mission to save and to rescue us. Gloriously, wonderfully, Lord, we now become uh, the ambassadors of Christ to save and rescue others by pointing them towards Jesus Christ. God, I pray today, please, please, please help us. Help us understand there's a mission. Help us understand, Lord, there's a message. And help us, Lord, in the motivation that we rejoice in the salvation that we have. But, Lord, now through uh, courage, through urgency, Lord, through prayer, engage us, Lord, to uh, go out into this world and to take the message of the gospel and see many, many others one for Christ so they too can live a transformed life, Lord, to know Jesus and to know him forever and to have the hope of eternity uh, secure in their hearts. Please, Lord, help us today in the challenges we face in this world, a world largely deaf to it, particularly our Western culture, who don't really want to hear about that. Help us to pray earnestly, Lord. Pray desperately. Seeking your face for family and friends, that they too, Lord, would come to find Christ and know him. Father, we thank you for this mission and we thank you that you equip us for this mission. And may we go out today in that grace to carry that mission out with joy for the glory of Jesus Christ's name. Father, we ask that we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.